Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. seated this morning. Thank you team so much for leading us in, in worship and uh, again it's always a, it's always a pleasure and honor to, to, to worship with with the church family uh, this morning. Uh, my name is Matt, one of the pastors here at River of Life uh, and it's good to be here this morning. Some of you may know but uh, some may not that uh, the the men had a men's retreat this weekend and uh, me and Brian came home a little early to just be here this morning with you guys. Uh, but there's uh, oh thirty or so guys up on there on the mountain up at Cedar Ridge, and uh, we've been doing a doing a study of God's at war, and uh, so I just want us to be, and we're going to pray for him real quick. But up up there, God's doing a good work, uh, uh, in the hearts of of men up there, and, and uh, so uh, would you just real quick, let's just pray for those guys. They're going to be wrapping up. Let's see, probably about twelve right after lunch or so. They'll be coming back down. So. Uh, if you if you miss some faces that you normally may see this morning, that's where they're at. Um, and before I pray, I gotta I gotta just say something. So we talked a lot about the men's retreat, and maybe you were here with some of the announcements. And we talked a lot about paintball, right? And how it was going to be a good time. And we did have a good time, didn't we, Brian? Where did he go? He just left. Anyways, uh, there he is. Uh, we had a great time paintball yesterday, and I was going to take some pictures. I just didn't get around to it this morning. I got some welts. Welt here, welt here, welt here, just just direct shots, right? Boom! It was awesome. Anyways, I just I just needed to share that because it was just so fun. Anyways, uh, let, let's stop and let's just pray for the guys up there, and and then we'll continue on. Lord Jesus, we 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 too we want to just pray for the guys that are up on the mountain still, and God, would your presence be with them as they worship, as they're probably worshiping right now as we speak. Uh, God, uh, may they just lift your name high, and Lord, as they close out this study. Uh, Lord, of, of the things that we worship, different idols in our life, Lord, would you just um, plant, implant in them new hearts, hearts of flesh, replace their hearts of stone, uh, Jesus, and may they worship you and you alone and, and bring back home a lot of practical things to, to live that out. So, Jesus, we, we uh, commit the rest of their time up there to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot of new faces uh, this past summer and as we come into the fall. I, even this morning, I, I've met a few new people that literally this is their first Sunday here. So I just wanted to kind of, kind of say on behalf of our church, welcome. Uh, visitors, maybe you've been around for the last year, maybe six months, maybe just a few months. Maybe, and again, a few of you this morning, it's your very first time visiting us here. Uh, we're all about Jesus. Uh, we're all about the gospel. We're all about uh, who, what God has done, and we want to rejoice and celebrate that. But not just rejoice and celebrate that, but let, also let it sink in deep to the core of who we are and change how we live and change out what we, what we do and how we act, how we talk. And, and, and if you've been with us, uh, and if you haven't, I'm going to tell you, we, we've been in the book of James in the last couple months. And we're going to continue right up until the beginning of December. We'll jump into an Advent series then. But we're, we're, we're studying through the book of James. And James is an interesting book. It's a, a phenomenal book. If you've read through it, you know that Jesus' name is only mentioned twice. And in and, and and, and making of the canon back in the day in the early church, some people even had an argument. Does James belong in the, in, the, in the canon, in the scripture? Because it doesn't mention Jesus very much and God's name isn't mentioned very much. Well, what, what we see in the letter of James, 
He, he's writing to 12 tribes that have been a, a group, groups of people that have been scattered abroad because of persecution. Okay, in the early church, we're talking about 44 or yeah, something like that, A.D., uh, uh, in the first century there, the early church. And we have these believers being spread out because they were being persecuted and troubled and they had to kind of disperse from Jerusalem. And, and God used that to spread the gospel. I mean, God always uses anything. He causes all things to work together for good. But as we've looked at this letter, James is, what he's doing is, is he, he, he's laying out some practical ways of saying, hey, if your life has been changed by the gospel truly, then this is what your life is going to kind of look like. Here's going to be the fruits of, of a true life that's been changed in the heart of who you are. If you've been changed by Jesus Christ in the gospel, this is what are some practical things your life will look like. And, and real quick, we're not going to belabor this, but I want to catch some of us up that may not have been here We've talked about counting it all joy when you go through suffering because that's going to be producing in you some, some righteousness that, that God wants to do a good work in you uh, in chapter 1. And blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, it says in, in verse 12 of, of chapter 1. We moved on, and at the end of chapter 1, it talks about hearing and doing the word. And, and James really exhorts these, these people, these believers, to, hey, be, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And, and be, be not, don't, don't just come to church and don't just hear the scripture uh, taught and, and, and be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. Let, let it actually absorb in from your brain and transfer to your heart and change how you live and how you act. Be doers of the word. We, we talked about that several weeks ago. We talked about James in chapter 2 bringing in this uh, don't show partiality as you look at people and, and, and you judge them. I remember Brian brought a good point, and, and, and it's something that's remained with me, is that in seven seconds, it's known that we judge people. In seven seconds, that's your first, uh, you have seven seconds to give your first impression to people. And that's, that's so sad that we as humans judge people so quickly. Anyways, James is saying to, this, to these believers, hey, don't show partiality. Don't just judge a book by its cover. God loves all people and all types of people, whether they're poor or they're rich. And it says, don't show partiality to, to someone who may be wealthy or, or able to give back to you. Or, and, and then say to the poor people, just say, hey, I'll just you know, go sit over here. And, and he was calling these people out in chapter 2. At the end of chapter 2, uh, just, just last week, uh, Brian preached on faith without works is dead kind of the same theme going on just don't be just hearers of the word be doers of the word and, and james says hey i'm going to show you my faith by what by my works by what i'm doing and it's a faith that works is really the theme of this book well this morning we come to chapter three and james is going to lay out some teaching for us on the tongue and let's let's read it this morning and, and if you have your, your bible this morning turn to james chapter three or if you have your device, flip over to it, punch it in. We're going to be reading it. It'll be on the screen as well for you. I'm reading from the ESV version this morning. Um, follow along as we read this morning. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> Not many of you, James says, should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. Verse 5, so also... 
The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and yet with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The average person, again, this is the average person, will talk one-fifth of their time. One-fifth of their time is using, and that's average, okay? Now, we, we all know there's some people on this side of that average that are just, they, they, maybe, maybe three-quarters of their time they spend talking, right? Right, the chickity chatties. And then over here, chickity chatties, I kind of like that. I just made that up. But over here, there's, you know, some of us just kind of zip shut. We're the hermits that could live out in the middle of nowhere with no one else. And, you know, and there's some people like that in, in here this morning. Okay. So on average, the average person, studies show, they spend one-fifth of their time talking. I, I kind of thought about this this week a little bit. Okay. So that means in five days, Monday through Friday, in, in this average person's span of Monday through Friday, they would, they would take... 24 hours worth, just say that Monday, they would constantly be talking. Constantly in 24 hours. If you do the math, I kind of did, I was just curious. If someone lives to be 80 years old, okay, they would have spent, at the end of their life, 6,000 days, 24-hour periods, constantly talking, using words, constantly. 6,000 days worth in an 80-year-old lifespan. We humans are a communicating creatures. We communicate. Words come out all the time. And it's, it's, it's no, it shouldn't be a surprise to us because our God, who made us in his likeness, in his image, right? Our, our God is a communicating God. And, and I got thinking about it, when, when God created the world in the beginning, right from the very beginning book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was, or that's John chapter 1, anyways. In the, in the beginning of Genesis, God says, he, he spoke, let there be light, right? And then created, the light was created by his, what he said, what he spoke. Words have the power to create. And likewise, we as, as creatures that are made in his image, as we, as words are formed through our tongue and our vocal cords or however the science behind it, I'm not sure, but as words come up out of our mouth as well, there's, there's things that can be created as we speak. And I think sometimes we don't, I think as James walks through this, and I want to say this right on the top before we dive in headlong, I don't think we think about this very much. And this is pretty, this is pretty simple stuff that James is going to lay out here about, about our words, about our tongue. But I think it's something that we need to just consider this morning afresh and anew as we jump in. What we speak can create. 
James here, again, as, as, we, as we get back into the context of this letter written, James is divinely, we've got to remember, he's divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. He has a big bone to pick with, with, with these believers in this day and age. They were using their tongue, they were using their words uh, uh, that they were using among each other, both within the church, but also their, their, their effects in the community. They were, they were using the words, and there was some dissension going on, both within the community of the church, and, and how, and their words as a church going out into the community. It, 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 there were some negative effects of the words that these people were using. Harsh things going on. And not just here in chapter 3, but if we, if we back up and look kind of throughout the book of James, he, he says it over and over again. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read them for you. Again, in chapter 1, verse 19, James says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In, in chapter 1, verse 26, he says, If everyone thinks he is religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, or isn't careful with what he says... He deceives his own heart. And this person's religion, he says, is worthless. Strong words. Divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. About the issue of partiality in chapter 2. James says, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say to them with your words, you're saying to these, this, the, these people, you sit here in a good place while you say with your words to the poor men, you stand over there or sit at my feet. In chapter 2, verse 12, James says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. And here we got chapter 3 that we'll dig through today. But even after chapter 3, in uh, chapter 4, verse 11, James says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. One who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Those are some powerful words that we're going to get to in a few weeks. And again, he, he, he kind of ends the book in chapter 5, but he talks in chapter 5, verse 9, don't grumble and, and speak against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is staying at the door. Over and over again, my, my point is, James, not just in chapter 3, this little section, but throughout the book, it's a major theme that he's bringing up. Hey, guys, your words are making a difference in your life, in people's life, in the church, and outside of the church. Over and over again, James is bringing up this issue of how believers were using their words and what effects their words were having around them. And his message, again, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, is as applicable as it was to those believers in that day. Here we are 2,000 years later. It's applicable to us. Guys, we need to know that our words are powerful. In fact, Proverbs 18.1 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The things that come out of our mouth, the things that we create as we speak towards people, towards things, towards circumstances, advice, we create things, and out of our mouth, death and life will come out. Either or. There's not much neutral. If we pause here on, on this, this proverb, this thought here that, that kind of runs throughout the Word of God, as well as in James here. If we pause, throughout human history, society has, many, has had many ups and downs as a direct result of people's use of the tongue. Think this morning of Adolf uh, Hitler in the Holocaust. Horrible, horrible thing. But why did so many people follow what was going on in that, that whole picture is because Adolf Hitler was a very good 
His rhetoric was very powerful. His words influenced. His words twisted. His words made people think that they were doing something good. And he was doing that through his words. And through his words, there was, there was death happening. Literally. Think about the other side of the coin. Martin Luther King Jr. In, in all of his words and his rhetoric and his speeches and his talk is what he created through what he spoke with the civil rights movement. And how so much life came out of that. Think of Billy Graham. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of, of, of our era anyways. You know, his words had just a way. This just, you know, obviously divinely inspired too. His, his words created this just very simple. And it, it, he would take the gospel and just be able to explain it. And, and those words had so much power. And so many people have come to know the Lord through his ministry. Our words cause change. Have I said that enough? (laughs) Our words cause change. I've titled today's message, Understanding the Tongue, because that's basically what James is doing here. He's not just going to say, hey, watch what you say, but he explains why we need to watch what it is. What, what, what is the tongue? How is it made up? Like, what, what is all about this, about our words creating things? And within understanding the tongue this morning, I just want to point out three just things that James kind of lays out for us. Our, number one, our words have tremendous impact. And we'll see that James presents that case here. Number two, our tongue is naturally a beast. And we'll see what James says about that. It's natu- is a natural beast. And number three, our words will reveal our heart. Our words will re- re- reveal our heart's condition. And I'm just going to pray before we dive back in here to his word. I want to ask, um, I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, we just pause. God, as we dig into to this, this chapter, uh, Jesus, we know that you had a purpose. And Lord, you divinely inspired James to pen these words for that people group in that day. And Lord, also you knew that we'd be reading it this morning. So, Jesus, would your Holy Spirit that is within us who have believed on your name, Lord, illuminate your scripture to us. Would you apply it to our life, Lord, and would we, would we leave this place changed people because of, of your word to us. And, and, Lord Jesus, we just commit this time to you. Amen. Well, let's jump back in here. So, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Let's, let, let's jump in here. James says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They're so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a, a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, James's point here comes in verse 5. So also, the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. As a small bit in the horse's mouth. Okay? You can kind of picture that bit in there. Just as that small bit will will move the whole body of the horse. Just as we picture a, a large ship, you know, a huge charter ship, that boy, it's got those motors and power just being blown by the, the strong winds. Boy, that ship's course will be completely set by that little tiny rudder. Just as that, and just as a spark, if you think of it, especially us in Colorado, 
just a little spark will cause a whole force to become ablaze. So our tongue, so our words have tremendous impact. Among these 12 tribes that James is writing to, there were a lot of people desiring to become teachers. Desiring to teach the word of God in whatever context, maybe in a preaching context, but also in a, in a life-on-life context, in a context where they'd be counseling people or meeting with people and, and, and spending time with people teaching the word of God, teaching people how to live out the gospel. And there was a lot of people who were aspiring to want to do this. It was, being a teacher was a very distinguished position, a very powerful and influential position. And the problem here with, these, with this people group, these 12 tribes dispersed, the, the reputation that was going on that James was catching wind of in Jerusalem, okay? And he goes, okay, there's a problem going on. Is that these people would preach something. They would talk a good talk, but they weren't walking a good walk. And we see that. You know, he's been saying that. Be doers of the word. Hey, you know, show your faith by your works. But, but in terms of the words that they were using, because they were being hypocrites and not living out what they were saying, their words were actually doing damage. What they were saying was just doing damage. It was empty words. They were steering the, the, the course of people's life. Just like that little rudder would steer a whole ship or the, the, hor- the, the, the bit in the horse's mouth would steer the course. They're, because of their words were being hypocritical, they were steering the course of people's lives in a negative direction. And not only for the people in the church, but people outside of the church. Imagine if you weren't a believer yet and you went into one of these churches and you saw somebody teaching and then you saw them in their life living something completely different. How would that affect someone who who doesn't know the Lord? They'd be like, well, why should I believe in a God? that This this guy's saying one thing. These people are saying one thing and then they're doing another. Their words were having a tremendous effect. And I think they didn't understand the power of their tongues. They were stumbling themselves and others with the use of their words. And thus, James opens this this section of, of understanding the tongue. Hey, Not many of you should become teachers, guys and gals. You guys aren't living out what you're saying. And you don't understand the impact of your words. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. And then James kind of keeps right on going. And he kind of, he comes out of applying it to that specific situation. And then he comes to verse 2 and he says, For we all stumble in many ways. Hey, this isn't just problems for people that teach the word of God. This is problems for everybody. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to also to bridle his whole body. And he goes on to share about the horse and the ship and the fire. On an average day, if we think about an average day for us, we spend, we throw our words around sometimes carelessly. We don't even think necessarily sometimes about the words that will come out of our mouth, be it giving advice to somebody. Be it just, just crossing someone's path at the grocery store. Our words have tremendous impact. I want to tell a quick story this morning. Again, in Proverbs 18.1, it talks about, and I'm going to hammer this verse over and over again. Life and death come from our tongue. Our words have tremendous impact. I, we, me and my wife and our family were coming back from a trip from Maine, and we were coming back through, I, I forget when, it was in the last couple of years. We stopped at a subway in Idaho Springs on the way back up the mountain. We were in the subway, the family was in the car, just staying warm or something, and I went in to get us all subway, and I'm sitting, there was a guy in front of me, and, uh, you know, he seemed like a nice guy, you know, normal guy, just getting a, a salad, and 
as the, the girl was making a salad, you know, rolling up the different meats in it and, and different things, he, he kept, like, critiquing what she was doing. You know, like, oh, can you uh, make sure to put on, you know, the croutons last, you know, all these things. And I could tell she was just kind of, you know, kind of getting a little annoyed at first. Uh, like, hey, I can do my job, buddy. Thank you. Uh, and as, as she kept making the salad, though, you could tell he was getting a little frustrated with she wasn't quite doing it the way he wanted it. Like exactly to, you know, particularly, he was being pretty OCD about it, honestly. But he kept getting more and more frustrated. And I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, on one hand, I'm kind of like, boy, this is taking forever. You know, like I, I'm in the middle of traveling here. Come on. But at the same time, I'm watching her and I'm starting to feel bad for this poor girl. You know, she was probably 24 years old or so. Just, you know, job at Star, or Starbucks at Subway. Anyway, she's making the salad. And finally, the guy just erupts on her. And he spews forth, and he, didn't, he doesn't know this, but he's spewing forth poison on her, saying, basically, hey, you are failing at what you're doing. Where's your boss? I want to give you a review that's zero because you're not doing a good job. You're not doing this right. And I just saw her countenance come from a, an innocent girl that was just doing the best she could, and she was. She was doing fine. But countenance from, from just a normal day to a, like, complete destruction and complete, like, oh my gosh, I, I am so sorry. I, I failed you. Like, I'm a failure. His words pierced into her, cut her open, and left her dead. There's death in life in our tongue. Our tongue has the power. Our words have the power of death in life. They have a tremendous impact. There's more to say here, but I'm going to keep moving this morning. James goes on in verse 6. The tongue is a fire. Okay, not only does the tongue have this tremendous impact, it can move a whole horse's body like a bit in the mouth, and, and the ship's a little rudder, and it li- so is a tongue so little, but it has so much tremendous power. And the t- he says the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on by fire of hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, things, these things ought not to be so. Can I paraphrase that little section of James and just say simply, secondly this morning, our tongue, guys and gals, is a natural beast. If not controlled, if not thought about before we know what's going to come out, if we don't think and control our tongue, what naturally is going to come out is evil. Our tongues are a natural beast. Tremendous hurt can come out of our tongue, and that's the natural thing. And I want us to think for a moment, and my my wife brought this up earlier this week. Think about if you've had kids or if you have kids, young kids right now, you know, uh, and if you haven't, maybe you've been around kids. We don't need to teach kids how to use their tongue to hurt other kids, do we? That's something that's just natural. It's part of our human, it's part of the fallen nature of humanity now that sins come into the world. Uh, I think of Alea, and, and there's times when Alea and Noah and Lydia are playing, and, 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 and if, if Noah is making Alea upset about something, 
she knows, and this is just natural, it's, it's her flesh coming out. She naturally knows exactly what to say, exact time to say it, and right in the right tone to say it that will just, just crush little buddy Noah. Like, it just will crush him. It will make him feel, oh, okay, like, just, just hurt him. And so he'll, he'll stop hurting her, right, because, because of that hurt. And she knows exactly what to say. And I was thinking about this this week more and more, and I'm thinking, we don't grow out of that. Sure, we as, as, as little older adults, we may be able to polish that, make it look a little better. Maybe there's a little more control there. But our natural inclination is to cut. Is to cut others down so that we might feel a little better about ourselves, right? And James is saying here, he's using some, some pretty harsh language if you, as, you, as you followed along there. Uh, he's using some, you know, this tongue is set among them, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course, and set on fire by hell. What is James doing here? Boy, he's using some harsh language. Well, guess what, guys? The, the tongue and the use of it as we cut people down, that's directly from the pit of hell. That's directly an influence of the enemy. Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the thief, the enemy, has come to steal, to kill, and destroy and that's exactly what we do sometimes naturally to other people, isn't it? And when we do that, I think when Aleah does that to Noah, Satan in some ways, I think, just smiles and goes, ah, good. Death is coming through that. Death is coming through that. With it, verse 9 says, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Again, uh, specifically for James, talking about this dynamic within the church of that day of, of people, sure, having a worship service or, or a time in God's word or, you know, as they gathered together and would do kind of what we do this morning uh, you know, with each other. They, they would bless God with their tongues and with their words and then they'd go out among the weak and in their work or in their families or whatever, in their, in their realms of influence, they would cut people down. They would, they would curse on people. It would create death instead of life. And he says, my brothers, these, these things ought not to be so. There's a saying that we've all heard, and it's a lie, I believe, from the pit of hell, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You guys, you guys know that. You guys know that phrase. Couldn't be farther from the truth. Sticks and stones, sure, and paintballs may bruise my arms, but words, man, will, will, will definitely destroy me if used for death. I remember when I was 12 years old, you know, talking about, you know, the people that will, in one context, bless, bless the Lord, and then in another context, send curses and just death to people. I remember when I was growing up, you know, and I, I still am, you know, I'm, I'm, I am short in stature, okay? When I was growing up, now I've learned to be okay with it. But when I was growing up, I was an athlete and I was in basketball. And I remember I, I, I got pretty good at basketball and I, and I cared about the sport and I loved it. And I practiced, practiced, practiced. Well, when I came about to the age of 12, I was relatively the same size of people. Relatively, I was always, you know, I was always just smaller, but it got significant. When I was about 12, everyone had a growth spurt. And I don't know what happened to me, but I just just didn't have a growth spurt. But on that basketball court, it, it, it wasn't like I could just kind of, you know, blend into the scene and not, not, not 
like because I was a basketball player, it just it showed so much more. You had these guys that were, you know, they grew up big and, you know, big and strong and stretched out. And, and I'd be guarding them. And anyways, pe- people's words, okay, even if they were like just kind of in a joking, sarcastic way, I don't think they were even trying to like pierce me down. But they didn't, little did they know that as people would make fun of me on the basketball court or just be like, dude, you know, just little comments, man. They, they dug deep into my soul to the place where I, I you know, I kind of was shameful of like my stature. I was shameful about my, my size and, and, and it, it, it became a struggle to kind of play sports and it became a, like a, an identity thing for me. Okay. And it became something that I had to really rest through and the Lord has helped me heal from a lot of that. So please, you're, you're fine to, to poke fun of me, but be careful about it. Okay? <laughs> There's a lot more I could say right now. Anyways, the point is that sticks and stones, sure, will hurt, but, but words can cut people apart. And they can set, as he said, that big ship's course, that little rudder, those little comments could set people. Think about the recent, the, the tragedy recently of the suicides in Grand Junction. Why are so many teenagers and, and young and old people, why, why are so many people taking their lives these days? 100%, I can say this with all uh, confidence, 100% of reasons why they're taking their life is because people along the way have been, with their words, creating death upon people, cutting them down, making the, their identities are just gone. Because of how people are maybe are picking on them or just saying things about them or just, just not pointing them towards life. Our words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And our tongue, again, naturally, it's our natural inclination. We don't need to teach humanity how to cut people down. Our natural, our tongue is a beast. Look back up to verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being, James says, can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. I think it's kind of ironic. After all this truth about our words having enormous impact, and, and James talks about how, how evil the tongue is, and it's just naturally, it's just a beast. It's ironic that here he, he's penning the words... Oh, by the way, you, no human can tame the tongue. So James is almost saying, hey, in case you're starting to think, okay, all I got to start doing then is, is controlling my tongue. James is saying, no, no human can tame it. So your, your efforts are going to be worthless if you yourself just you're, on your own strength try to tame it. What's his point in this? His point is that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the only divine power that can tame our tongues. Amen? Jesus, by his divine power of the Holy Spirit with us, is the only hope that we have in taming our tongue. And that life will come out of what we say. We can't in our own effort or power. Maybe for a time we could control things, but after time, if someone bumps us the wrong way or says certain things back to us, our tongues will always, with our own effort, Just spew forth death. But in the Lord Jesus and in the power of his Holy Spirit in us, we can learn 
to use words of life. Well, in order for Jesus to tame our tongue, he needs to do an internal work. And, and as James continues here in this passage, we're going to see that he echoes some teaching and wisdom of Jesus here. In verse 11, he asks the question, does a spring pour forth uh, from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The scriptures up on the screen that, that, that you know James as he as he absorbs some of Jesus's teaching this you can see you can hear this and li- look what Luke cha- uh, chapter six verses forty three through forty five this is Jesus teaching he says this for no good tree bears bad fruit nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit verse forty four for each tree is known by its fruit for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And then listen to Jesus' words. For out of the abundance, out of the makeup and the, the substance of the heart, his mouth speaks. His mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. Finally this morning, our words will reveal our heart. What we hear ourselves saying will reveal the condition of our heart. The substance, the makeup of our heart will come out in our words. For example, if our heart has an abundance of jealousy, our words will, will that they'll, and they may be, they may not be straight out for, but, but very, very sneakily, our words will cut people down so that we feel a little bit better about ourselves. If our heart is full of jealousy. If our heart has an abundance of anger. Our words will most likely attack. And especially those most closest to us. If, we're just, if, we, if we just got a bunch of anger. That's going to come out. Especially to those who are closest to us. If our hearts are filled with covetousness. Our words will belittle people. In order that we might stand stronger and higher. If we're coveting people. In our heart. And just the opposite, too. I don't want to focus on all negatives. If, if our hearts are full with joy and the peace and, and, and all the fruits of the Spirit, and we're walking in the Spirit, and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, and we're walking out in the fruits of the Spirit, then, then, then what, what's going to come out is joy and love and, and patience, words of, of kindness, words of faithfulness, not empty words, not hypocritical words. Joy will just come out of what we say. And the words that we use will bring life, not death. So a question as we, as we kind of are wrapping up a little bit this morning. Do, 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 we, do we pay attention to our words? In that our words are going to reveal what's going on truly in our hearts. Therefore, if we paid attention to what we say, if we, if we, got, if we had like a little recorder, those little recorder things. I don't know if they make those things still, the little tape recorder things. Put it in your pocket, push record. And records your, your talk all day long, all week long. I wonder if we replayed that to somebody else and they listened to it, unbiased. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think Jill, boy, she seems pretty angry, you know. Or wow, Tom seems pretty, he seems pretty content in the Lord. I wonder if we listen to the words that we say. And again, especially to those that are closest to us, especially those that we spend most time with. 
I wonder what that would reveal about the condition of our hearts. And that's what James is going after here. Ultimately, guys, at the core, we need a heart change as we consider our words. We need a heart change. So James here, I kind of... Chapter 3, Understanding the Tongue. Just know this morning, simply, and I pray, I know that the Holy Spirit will keep doing His work and, you know, as we keep listening to Him and, and absorb what's, what, we're, what we're saying today. But allow it to change. Allow it to fester a little bit. Allow it to sink in that, that our words have tremendous impact. Know that your words, as you leave this place, your words have tremendous impact that will bring life or death. In, in whatever degree or another, your, your words will bring life or death to someone's situation and to yourself. Number two, know, know that naturally, if not controlled by Jesus and the Holy Spirit again, and again, what does that look like? Well, you got to work that out with the Lord because it is, some, it is partly us to, to control it, but, but in that we, we trust that it's God's strength in us, okay? We, we just can't control our tongue. Nat, but naturally, if we don't control our tongue, it's going to naturally produce death. It's a natural beast. And as we just talked about, our words, our words will reveal our hearts. So I encourage you, listen to yourself. As you, as you go to talk, as you communicate with your spouse or your friends or your family or, or the community at large, watch what you're saying and thereby actually see what's going on in your heart. It will. It will reveal what's going on. I've, I've seen it this week. <laughs> I'd like to invite the worship team back up. This morning, I think it's awesome, you know, in this in this understanding the tongue and our words. And here we are an opportunity as we had just this morning, as we sing, as we're singing these words out, we are creating a a beautiful painting and a a beautiful picture. And and, and we're creating praise that will rise to, to the Lord. And I pray that not only as we close in song. But as we go from this place, that like, like James calls these guys out, that we might not, with it, bless God and, and our Father and, and bless, bless each other here at church, but that, that we might bless people out in the community. May we be people that aren't hypocrites. And again, Proverbs 18.1, as we, as we close in song, may this just sink deep into us this week. Death and life. Death and life. Either or are in the words that we use, are in the power of the tongue. Let, let's stand as we, uh, as we close in song, and then I'll come back up and, and dismiss us here at the end.